Okay, everyone, welcome to episode 28 of the All Things Strength and Wellness podcast. I'm your host once again, Robbie Burke. And on this episode, I had the pleasure in interviewing strength and conditioning coach Nicole Rodriguez. Nicole Rodriguez is a strength and conditioning coach and educator of athletes' performance in Arizona and the United States. And she's also a former head strength and conditioning coach at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning. On this episode, me and Nicole discussed many topics, including Nicole's background, her influences, how Nicole got into the strength and conditioning field, problems Nicole sees within the strength and conditioning industry, the difference between working at athletes' performance compared to Mike Boyle's strength and conditioning, and we discussed in depth AP's overall training philosophy. This was an extremely informative interview. Nicole shared a lot of great information, and I hope you guys really enjoyed the show. Okay, Nicole Rodriguez, or Coach Nicole Rodriguez, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Um, just for all my listeners who don't know who you are, just introduce yourself. Hello, all things strength listeners. Um, I just wanted to first off thank Robbie for having me on his show. Uh, Robbie and I have a little bit of a history, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, my name is Nicole Rodriguez. I am currently a performance coach at Athletes Performance Arizona, and uh, my job my job is unique in a sense where I get to coach athletes fifty percent of the time, and then coach coaches. Uh, the other 50% of the time. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm currently at right now. Um, first part of the year, I like I just mentioned, I, I coach, and um, I primarily work with the NFL Combine, specifically with the movement session, um, focusing on their 40, 5105, um, L drill, uh, broad jump, vertical jump, things like that for their specific performance testing, and then in the morning time or the second part of my day, I work with the Major League Baseball guys currently. So that's, that's my role right now at Athletes Performance. And then second part of the year, um, I travel around to the best training facilities and football clubs in the world and uh, teach our performance mentorship courses. Obviously, from, from knowing you from, from Mike Boyle's Strength and Conditioning, and I'm going to ask you this question. So, aside from Mike himself, who have been your biggest influences? So, I mean, Mike, Mike is definitely one of my, my biggest influences. But, uh, you know, I, I would say number one, and this might be the female in me, Robbie, but number one is definitely going to be my dad, my father, um, for literally teaching me what structure is, uh, confidence, and don't laugh, but how to squat when I was uh, 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Wish my dad did that. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to hang out with my dad, and my dad is always training him with the boys, and that's kind of what happened. But um, other than that, uh, Darcy Norman, uh, who is currently uh, one of the leaders in our company, uh, recently created the Edith My Coach uh, training systems for teams. Um, you know, he was actually one of my early influences, you know, back in 2000, 2007, uh, when I was working at NBSC, and just, you know, from a simple email, um, answering questions, developed, uh, you know, started develop me, developing me, excuse me, in uh, certain areas such as cycling, and understanding, you know, what, you know, the training components, and how you start uh, thinking about changing a culture in a sport that doesn't exist. So he was one of my uh, other influences. And then, um, obviously, um, along with Mark Verstegen, who I've been working with now for a little over a year and a half, who I trust, respect, and he's welcomed me into his family and uh, vice versa. So, You know, Nick, 
given given our history together from MBSC, I actually never asked you. Like, how did you actually get into strength and conditioning? Like, what what was it one day you said? You know what? I want to be a strength and conditioning coach. You know, so that's a good question. Um, like I said, I started off in the weight room at a very young age, and it wasn't because I was personally training, but again, I was always around my cousins. They were always very athletic, football, baseball, etc. And they were always in the gym training, and they trained with my dad, and I, I started training at a very young age. So I think it started uh, back then. And then I was an elite softball player. I played, I was fortunate enough to play four years in the collegiate setting with four years of strength and conditioning. And I'll never forget day one, walking into the strength and conditioning room, looking eye to eye to my strength coach, and me literally telling him, Gabe, his name was Gabe, Gabe, I want to do what you do one day. And he looked at me utterly confused. And, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how it all started. And you are, I actually should say this to start the show, too, that you are actually the first female strength coach on my podcast. And so that relates, that kind of goes into our next question. Now, what is it like being a female in a very male-dominated field? How, how do you find that? You know, Robbie, to be honest, like, I haven't really put much thought into that question. Um, so, but it's starting to get asked a lot. So I'm just like, okay, you know, how, how do I feel about this? You know, the short answer, Robbie, is I really don't feel a difference. Yeah. And that might be because I, I've been lucky enough to work for, you know, the you know two top uh, people in the industry. Um, I, I've always been welcomed into the family, welcomed into the culture. Um, you know. I, my family is dominated by, by male cousins, and like I mentioned, I spent 99% of the time with my, my dad as a child, so let's just say, like, I've adapted, uh, you know, kind of being around men and kind yeah. of this male-dominated industry quite well, um, but, you know, those who know me can attest that I have a very strong personality. And I can come off as a little militant sometimes, <laughs> so I've kind of learned in this industry uh, to kind of introduce my personality so I don't, you know, scare the piss out of people when I start coaching. Um, so that, that's kind of, that's happened before, and it takes a few days to adapt, so I just kind of lay everything out. But, you know, I, I just try to be as open as possible. Um, again, I haven't, ran, I haven't run into a lot of uh, problems. Yeah. Um, there has been one brave soul in my career that has mentioned, you know, that he's had a little bit of issues with, oh, you know, he's never worked with a woman in a leadership position in the industry, um, but, you know, we, we kind of discussed, you know, certain things, and I actually learned a lot from that uh, information that he gave me, hence the reason that now I kind of introduced my personality. So, you know, it, it's been great. Um, I Again, I haven't had any issues, but, again, I, I, I would say that that comes with um, – knowing your trade, knowing your skill, um, having an extreme amount of confidence, and really, Robbie, it's, it's understanding emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's great stuff. With regards then to problems within strength and conditioning or uh, the, the, just the industry in general, what, what do you think are the biggest problems that you see, Nicole? Uh, biggest problems that I see, I, I would have to say, Robbie, um, not enough consistency. Okay, yeah. I, I would say that, you know, a lot of coaches, a lot of people, just in general, I don't care if you're in the music industry or in the fitness industry, you know, but I, I would say a lot of coaches just kind of, they follow that red shiny ball, you know, that, that bounces from one idea to the next. And, 
this tells me that there isn't a strong system because the system is used to kind of filter information and determine, okay, am I going to use this in my programming? Am I going to use this in my facility? And I think, uh, you know, in, as a whole, we need more discipline to not get caught up in the moment, right? So whatever's new and exciting because, you know, I think that's all based off of emotional decisions and we just have to have the discipline and the confidence to stick to to what you know and what you're good at because sometimes, you know, the everything out there is not fit for you, for your athletes, or for your staff. So... Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely uh, consistency. When you said that, it kind of made it a different thing in my head. Just the actual consistency of being, you know, there every day. You know, that was one thing I actually really got from you at MBSE was you know just even even days when you didn't really feel like coaching, you still had to just turn it on, and and then it kind of just changed. It changed your energy then. Even you know, after a while, you were kind of like, oh, I feel great now again because you're kind of getting energy back off the the athletes themselves. But definitely consistency. I feel within just from a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I also feel like as a coach and a teacher, we're always fighting against all these new things and everyone's new fascinations, yeah, and, yeah. and we just have to understand that, you know, that, that we can do both. We can be on the business end and we can be on the coaching end, yeah, and we, we can manage both, but we have to know that when it's time for coaching, that's when you, you know, engage, that's when you kind of build that emotional relationship with your athletes, and then when you're done with that then you can kind of market it and do all that but first the work of actual coaching needs to get done yeah. but uh you know you're, you're absolutely right in terms of coaching long hours because i know you've experienced it i've experienced it we still experience it and and that's just the nature of the game and i and i really actually robbie i think that being an athlete and having to train when you don't want to train having a you know, a hundred plus you know season game season in in one springtime era you know, when one spring training season, you know, that that's difficult. So you're having to kind of just dig deep and, and, you know, kind of just fight through all that. Yeah, definitely. So, Nick, you, you have worked at My Boys Strength Edition and currently are at least Performance, you know, two of the most well-known facilities, not only within North America, but in the world. So, I mean, you know, how, how do both compare? You know, how have you found the transition from one to the other? Just touch on that for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the actual transition, Robbie, has been seamless. And, you know, I'll never forget, you know, kind of going through that process and making the decision to essentially, you know, switch from MBSC to AP. And I've, I've never seen it as, oh, I'm leaving MBSC and going to AP. I kind of feel that they're one, yeah. um, you know, just obviously on the other side of the country. So, so the actual transition was, was seamless. Um, in terms of the actual system, you know, it, it's exactly the same. Yeah. You know, in terms of what we do day in and day out, and you know, it, it was very, very similar. Um, you know, both both owners, you know, have created an amazing system, and like I said, they stick to it. Yeah. You know, both have an elite crop of athletes to develop and train. You know, at go ahead. No, no, I was saying go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, I would say at AP we have a lower volume, right, compared to the four hundred plus athletes that you would see um, at NBSC, which allows us a you know, greater opportunity to have extensive testing procedures, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we're 
you're able to kind of spend some more one-on-one time. It's not kind of run through, you know, in a sense like Mike Boyle would say, like like a factory, yeah. right? And, and we don't do all this testing and kind of try to create this athletic profile just to be sexy. You know, we, we do it because the nature, and this is one thing that's also different, the nature of our business here at Athletes Performance is sometimes we only have three weeks with an athlete. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we get maybe six at best, but usually we have them for three to four weeks. So we have to create this sniper approach to program design, right? This sniper approach to engaging with the athlete day one because we have no, we don't have 12 weeks. You know, we, we don't have that kind of time here. So we have to get it done immediately and not take a shotgun approach and, you know, just throw everything, you know, in the program and hope that it hits, but we have to be very, very specific. So I feel that our testing and, you know, what we do on the front end allows us to kind of have that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and MBFC, as, as you know, um, and just kind of for the listeners, they run a high-volume facility. Yeah. And I actually thrived in that environment, I mean, perhaps because maybe I'm a little ADHD, right? But this allowed me to get in this, quote-unquote infamous zone that people, you know, label me with, this allowed me to get into that zone and just coach. Yeah, yeah. You know, the volume allowed me to take, you know, this global or thousand-foot view in some situations, but then it also taught me how to organize groups properly so I can then locally cue them, correct them, give them proper feedback, right? And this is really when I first experienced um, waterfall starts. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, lear- I learned a lot, right, training in this high-volume uh, facility, which now allows me, you know, the ability to run a, a 30, you know, 30-person course or, you know, take a, a group of 20 footballers, right, through an entire training session all by myself sometimes or maybe one intern. Yeah. So it, it really taught me management. Um, and one example that I'd like to share with the group in terms of waterfall starts I learned how to use, without knowing that's kind of what you would call it, right, I learned how to use waterfall starts on the Olympic uh, platforms, right? So, of course, you know, if we were to kind of imagine you have five platforms with 15 athletes, and that's kind of the group structure that we would run when I was there, you know, 15 athletes per group. You know, essentially you'd have three, you know, three athletes um, per platform. You know, you have one athlete working one athlete watching and racking and the other one doing either corrective exercise, stretching, or now what I do is, you know, obviously video analysis. And literally platform one would do their three to five reps or whatever they had for that day. Athlete two to the platform, you know, to the left of them is watching them, right, being able to say, hey, was that right? Was that wrong in their own mind? When yeah. athletes, you know, when athlete one drops the bar, athlete two begins, and then it essentially just trickles down and goes all the way from one to five. And that's essentially where I, I started uh, learning about organization. So I, I really enjoyed the high volume um, in comparison to what we have now. But don't get me wrong, uh, during our combine season, uh, which is January, February, and some of March, um, we have uh, high volume for for the things that we do, you know, in terms of, you know, our nutritional analysis all the way to our PT um, and rehab. I mean, we we do a lot. So essentially that's high volume uh, for this uh, population here. 
It's yeah. It's it's when when everyone always asks me, you know, what was Mike Bo- uh, Mike Bush and Christian like? They always go, oh, he must have learned so much. And I always say, listen, fr- from a theoretical standpoint, theory standpoint, I actually didn't learn that much. You could learn all of Mike's stuff in his books, but from a coaching standpoint, I always tell people this: should I go? Should I go? Should I intern at MBSC? And I'm like, if you want to coach, that's where you should go. Well, from you know, because from my experience, I was like, because just the volume of coaching you get in there is just, because you said the numbers there, you're just constantly having to coach and coach and coach. It really, it really does turn you into a good coach. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, also, I mean, the educational opportunities at both facilities are, you know, I mean, just unvaluable. I mean, you have the best people coming through and that's essentially how I met some of my influences, you know, present day, you know, back in, 2007, 2008, you know, Mike was fortunate enough to bring all these people in when they're in town, and I mean, education's been amazing across both facilities, so. Yeah, definitely. Just but, we're, we're in, go, go on again. Sorry, go ahead. So I was, I was going to just kind of add one more piece um, in terms of education. Uh, one thing that is unique about athletes' performance that I, I really enjoy is we have two internal education platforms. Um, one is essentially just kind of a, a site that hosts and um, houses all of the past presentations uh, we've given, you know, maybe conferences, articles, movement libraries, all the current templates across all five facilities. And this is kind of how we keep our system and keep it consistent. Because our goal at IAT is to kind of, if you're in Florida, or you're in Texas, you know, you're, you're getting the same training as you would at an APAZ. So we have that platform. And then we just have, we just created a new platform called Fuse, which is essentially um, like an internal Facebook. So with this, you know, we can communicate with coaches that are working in Germany, you know, with one of the football clubs out there or a military or someone coaching in Florida or, you know, one of our contract coaches, we can then communicate, you know, share resources, ask questions, develop, um, you know, new, let's say, programs for certain parts of the year. This is kind of a space where we can all communicate. So that right there is something unique. Um, I've never seen that, and we actually just launched that about six months ago here at AP, so a valuable tool for, for all of our coaches across the entire company. Let's get into the the AP system now. I know in regards to, to to MBSC and AP that the system is very similar, but there are some things like with AP, for instance, they do spend a lot more time on on the movement skills and also recovery regeneration would be something that would, would have a bigger bigger slice of the pie to in AP. So just maybe touch into the AP system. Yeah, so we have um, what we call our list of components. So everything from poor preparation you know, kind of developing corrective strategies specifically for the athlete. You know, we have movement preparation, which, you know, we're all pretty familiar with. Um, plyometrics, we have our movement skills, um, strength, power, ESD, and then finally regeneration. I think what makes um, kind of the differences that I've seen is not necessarily the, the components because we all did, we did plyometrics, right? We did some sort of movement skills, but is the detail that goes into plyometrics. So, you know, essentially we use this session to bridge the gap between strength and movement skills, yeah, yeah. right? And, and we're, but when we, so first off, you know, you can go through the progression. That's one way of doing plyometrics, right? We can just go through the progression and, you know, take them through non-counter movement work, counter movement, you know, you know, double contact, so forth and so on. And that's where you would start with the beginner. 
right? But when you start getting a little bit more specific, so let's just say, hey, today we're focusing on acceleration. That's our, that's our main focus for movement skills, right? What piles are we now going to connect with acceleration to complement that, right? So accel- acceleration, we understand that we have a tremendous amount of starting strength, yeah. right? So plyometrics might have more of a non-counter movement focus, right? More of a starting strength focus um, initially. So we'll start kind of pairing, um, pairing up these components to complement the other ones. And then for movement skills, Right, we have either we have like we've, we've broken it down into two components. We have the technical skills and we have the skill application. So, the technical skills being everything that I am doing as a coach to teach you how to perform, let's say, acceleration. So, that could be everything from wall drills, sled pushes, harness work, right? Sled work with the harnesses, right? These are all tools that I'm using to teach you the proper mechanics to teach you the proper force production and direction for acceleration. And then finally, within movement skills, we have skill application, which is, hey, let me get you on the line next to someone and you just run. Let me get the timing gates up and I'm timing your 20. I'm timing your 10. I'm taking you through an entire 40 if that's what your population calls for. So I would say that it's just a, a little bit more specific uh, when it comes to the movement skills, but that, that is something that I've had the opportunity to really immerse myself in and just deep, you know, take a deep dive into movement skills. And that's, and that, Robbie, in my opinion, you know, if you had to say, oh, you know, what, what's your favorite part of the component? Mine has always been the movement portion. Really? Yeah, I love them. Oh, yeah, I love the movement skills. I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoy strength because without the strength, you know, we can't get our athletes to properly move or perform as well as we want them. So don't get me wrong, but I will say, Robbie, my bread and butter, my bread and butter is the movement skills section. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> even 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 at Boyles, I always your your ability to 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 get across a coaching point to the athletes, I always thought was your stronger one of your strongest points. Even even if it was a strength lift, but particularly on the turf, I always felt I always actually feel personally my weakest part of my coaching is movement skills. Um, mm. I just I just feel it's something I, I need more grasping. I, I and I, I would have to say I, I've interviewed Lee Taff on this podcast before and I'd be I'd be a lot more influenced by Lee's stuff than the stuff I would have got from from Mike's stuff or from Boyle's okay. stuff. But uh it's always something I feel I just need just that movement skills is an area I feel personally that I'm a little bit weaker in with regards to other areas like just the general strength stuff and Olympic lifts. But uh that'll be definitely right. that, that'll be definitely some, an area I'll be getting on to you about when you get over here to Ireland. Yeah, yeah, no, and I like I said, you know, I mean, you're, I'm happy to admit that that's going to be my section, and I'll own every single one of those sections, because what we'll take you through, um, or what we go through here at AP and in our performance mentorships, uh, we'll go through acceleration. Um, for some athletes that need start work, we'll take them through the three-point start, and we have developed, obviously, we work with the NFL Combine guys, we've developed uh, an entire system just based on starts. Yeah, We're yeah. going to take you through uh, multi-directional work. We'll focus on shuffling. We'll focus on change of direction. We'll focus on the crossover in phase one, and then focus more on some decel and drop step work in phase two. Very good. Um, and then absolute speed, obviously, just kind of working on that, that you know, the cyclical motion or the ellipse motion of our, our running pattern and just trying to teach efficiency 
um, with, with our athletes. So, yeah, great great part of our system and one of my favorites. <laughs> Just say, say I, I'm an athlete, Nicole, and I come to AP. What, what is the system? Is there, you know, are you going to do a, you know, a mechanical, um, is there like a biomechanical system where it's like the FMS? Is there a biochemical nutritional system? Then is there, a, you know, is there a psychological system? How is it broken up? What, what is analyzed when I go in? So I walk into AP and what, what happens from there? Yeah, yeah. So day one when you walk in, uh, we take you through full evals. Um, the first thing that you're going to do is get an orientation of where you're at. So we'll have our um, our service coordinator, athlete service coordinator, take you around the facility, show you your locker, be like, hey, you know, this is the kitchen. Here's the space that you're working with because culture is extremely important to us. So that's going to be first thing. Then they'll walk you right to the nutrition office. And then this is where, uh, where we'll go through our nutritional um, analysis. So you'll have an individual assessment being, okay, your, obviously your goals, body composition. Um, you know, with our athletes, it's, hey, I'm here for six weeks. I need to gain 20 pounds for my position. Um, so that, that's actually very, very common for an athlete to gain 20 pounds in six weeks. Um, so then after that, we go through uh, some education uh, later on in the day. So it's essentially our Nutrition 101. Um, and then uh, following that, you just kind of have additional support. Um, they then make you personal shakes and shooters, um, figure out what supplements you're going to have. So that, that's the start. After you go through your nutritional analysis, you come right out to the eval area where we'll do our FMS. Um, obviously, FMS, um, based on those results, if anyone gets a one or has pain, they immediately uh, get shipped off to our PT and rehab area where they then go through either an upper or lower quarter uh, functional exam. So that's just our PT's deep dive into, okay, let's just see how this athlete's moving. Okay. Or if you're one of our combine athletes, um, you go through the FMS because that's one of the tests that they have to perform uh, at the NFL Combine. And if you're uh, one of our high-end elite athletes, everyone will kind of go, or our Major League Baseball players, all of our Major League Baseball players go through a upper quarter examination with one of our PT staff. Uh, after that, depending on your sport, um, we, can take you to, uh, we can take the athlete through a jump profile. So we'll take them through a non-counter movement, counter movement, um, and a depth jump. And they'll go through and do their vertical jump profile. After that, um, this is obviously after you know, a five-minute movement prep. If they need to do any um, sprint work or any performance tests, you know, let's say they need to have their 10 time or that's something that they want to improve for their team or whatever the case is, change of direction, 5-10-5, we'll take them through any of their sprint testing and then uh, so forth and so on. So that will kind of encapsulate the morning part. They'll then come back, again, depending. I mean, we, Bobby, the, the thing is we have a lot to offer in terms of cognitive testing, right? We now work with Axon, so they can then start working on, you know, position-specific repetitions while they're here at AP after a training session so they can go through those cognitive tests and then you mentioned uh, psychological testing. We have now just hired, um, us, you know, a performance psychologist, and he now can do individual one-on-one -on -one work uh, either with an uh, uh, athlete or as a group um, if we have a team, and he'll do some psychology work with that. 
Um, so that those are some of the things. So that's essentially, I know that sounds like a lot, but we break that up, you know, across the entire day. Yeah. And then the second part of the day, we go through any strength testing via a training session that we'll take them through. Excellent, excellent. And what about then with regards to, to recovery strategies? So I'm after, I'm after going through all this. I've got my individualized program. It's my first day there, and then I finished my session. I've never, never done any recovery before. And then you're saying, "Okay, Robbie, you now you have to go into the plunge pool or whatever." What, what, what happens right after that? And is it, is the recovery individualized as well, or is it kind of generalized, or how does it go? Mm. Um, you, you know, it, it depends. If I have an athlete and they're only here for three or four weeks, right? Their recovery, because the training will be very intense for them you know, we're going to hammer the recovery strategies and they're more than likely going to experience the cold plunge at least four times a week, um, you know, out of a, five, a four to five day training session. Uh, it is, in a sense, structured when we, I mean, we take them through all of their recovery work for at least the first two weeks because we want them to understand that the recovery portion is not just an add-on to the training. The recovery, obviously, as you know, is going to support and complement the training. Exactly. So we we make this section very, very structured to the point where, I mean, day one, they understand where the pillar prep area, where the recovery area is, and it is laid out all day, every day. That's the first thing our interns do when they come into the facility is they come out, they get all of the tools for their pillar preparation area, their recovery area, and our athletes understand the importance and we educate them on that um we you know just be a you know two three minute chat while we're rolling out you know we start educating them on important muscles if i'm working with a baseball player right i you know i make sure that they're ha you know taking care of that shoulder girdle right that anterior you know pec area just making sure that they understand this is where you're going to make your money right this yeah. is where you're going to have the greatest improvements and we just educate them in that sense so it's specific in terms of their sport it's specific in terms of their injuries and their needs but robbie i'm not going to lie when it comes to recovery and regeneration you know when we need to you know get professional hands-on work we have the best massage therapists athletic trainers and physical therapy staff so our, our recovery is kind of made easy for us yeah. because we have an army of, of, of a great staff. And is there is there any monitoring system used at AP? Like, do you, have you started to integrate HRV or any of those systems with regards to, you know, recovery? Yeah, you know, we haven't um, necessarily implemented any HRV stuff. We do have our athletes uh, go through a training monitoring. You know, they essentially go through everything from how they ate, how they slept, body weight, you know, willingness to train, so forth and so on, and I would be totally happy to share that with you after this. Yeah, um, yeah. We go through a Tinkle Tuesday. Every Tuesday, every single athlete in the facility um, essentially gets a hydration test, and we analyze that, and we put up a big chart. Um, and then with, you know, certain populations, certain groups, uh, you know, on Wednesdays, if they're if they're training, or for example, with our combine guys, on Wednesday was our absolute speed day. So after and sprinkled into the movement preparation, we would get at least three counter movement jumps from them, and just kind of you know implement that or imp put that into a chart and just kind of see how they're progressing. And we obviously demand full effort every single time, and, and we'll kind of sort of monitor them in that sense. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, we, we try very hard to kind of 
you know, program appropriately. You know, I, you know, we make sure that whatever we're doing on the field, if it's foundational work on the field, you know, that's kind of complementing the foundational work that we're doing in the weight room. If we're working on strength, you know, in the weight room, then we're working on strength work on the field. If we're working on, you know, um, speed strength in the weight room, then we're probably doing some sort of speed strength, maybe a little complex work on the field uh, with our sleds and with our runs. Excellent, excellent. With regards to, to the, the setup of the actual strength portion of a program, Nicole, how 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 uh, how does that go? Is is it similar to MBSC? Is it slightly different? How how is it laid out with AP? You know, it's it's laid out a little different. Actually, it's laid out very different because, like I said in the beginning, you know, sometimes we only have X amount of weeks with an athlete. Okay. So instead of you know, or like a personal trainer can go through. I mean, a personal trainer has more of an ability to go through like a linear you know, periodization as opposed to, you know, AP. You know, like I said, if we only have three weeks, you know, we're, we're not, we're, we have to figure out exactly what this athlete needs via, right, the athletic profile that we're developing with them in the front end and, and start from there. So, you know, we, we could, if we have someone for, let's call it eight weeks, which is very long for an AP athlete, I would say six is probably the max average. Eight is is um, what our combine guys do. Uh, the strength would essentially, like I said, would be laid out, you know, starting off with foundational work. Um, Dennis Logan heads up our strength program uh, with our NFL combine, and he is essentially, I always kind of give him this name, he's, he's the strength guru, um, yeah. in my opinion. Um, he essentially, you know, starts off with the foundational phase. He adds in a ton of um, isometric work, ton of isometric work in the front end, um, he then, you know, moves to more strength work, you know, adding in clusters, you know, things from that sort. You know, Dennis and, and AP were all very, very um, fond of and familiar with using the Kaiser Air System. So during our strength phase, you know, you might see combination of air and mass and so forth and so on. And then uh, speed strength, obviously, you know, we'll kind of go through those components and then finally take them through a, through a taper. Yeah. That's essentially how it would be laid out. But really, Robbie, it depends on, you know, how long. If we only have someone for three weeks and they're strong already, you know, we're, we're probably hitting them right with some strength, you know, going right into some, some speed strength or strength speed. speed, speed. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it, so within the actual session itself, is it like a main lift and then a secondary? And then I've seen a few AP programs before through a few different sources. And I think I might have seen a few of Nick Winkleman's presentations where it's kind of like a he kind of has like the primary block and the secondary block and then he has like this little tertiary circuit block I've seen that for a few things as well I think it was a hypertrophy program he had up just mm -hmm. the just the actual s session within itself you know what I mean rather than the, the, the block of training yeah yeah so we have two different models Robbie so what you were seeing there um, that model is the one you're probably seeing is the one where they train twice a day and it's just movement yeah, or, you know, yeah. movement in the morning, strength in the afternoon, that's, and then that's, that's when you'll yeah. uh, pretty much see what you just described. Yeah, yeah. Um, our combine guys go through something a little different. And this is, you know, I'm going to give you an example of the sort of volume and intensity that our combine guys go through. So our combine guys don't necessarily have that model. They go through, right, they go through movement in the morning, you know, let's say 30 to 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, and that's going to be their movement-specific work in terms of, like, their movement skills. Yeah. 
they'll then go into the weight room and get their lift in. They'll take a lunch break and, you know, let's say a, a two-hour break. They'll come back. They'll do movement-specific work for their performance testing. And then they'll come back into the weight room and go through um, either some hypertrophy work or some of their secondary work. Um, you know, like, for example, they can go be going through more of their eccentric work or mainly that second block for them is going to be some sort of hypertrophy yeah. or strength. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how that lay, that layout is. So it really, again, depends on, on who we're seeing. But typically you'll see movement in the morning and then um, the – strength template that you just described uh, in the afternoon just something that came into my mind just there with athlete's performance you're getting you know a lot of time you're getting very if you want to say advanced athletes or athletes with a large training age but the bad thing about that is that they can have some bad habits sometimes like how does that compare to when like you know you might get a high school kid at boils but the good thing with the high school kid is they've no bad habits they're they're a brand new, they're just a clean palate so they're, they might be nearly easier to coach. Have you found that at all at AP? Have you found like, God, this guy, like he, he's after coming from a high school and collegiate program, he just has really bad habits. Have you found that at all? Of, of course, of course. You, you get that, and especially when you start working with professional athletes. I, I mean, you, you get that all the time. Um, but, you know, we, we educate our athletes. We, you know, we kind of just motivate them through education, as we always say here. And we just, you know, obviously we're not going to, you know, I can't come to an athlete day one and be like, oh, no, you're doing all this wrong. Obviously oh, yeah, that's no. just, yeah, you, know, yeah. coach, you know, yeah, coaching science right there. But, uh, you know, it, it, it happens. Um, but you have, let's say, with my baseball players that I take the first uh, couple months of the year, you know, I have these guys for, you know, almost, you know, eight weeks essentially. Sometimes even longer if they're minor league guys. You have time to develop that relationship. But, I would say to the professional athlete, number one, they they always return to AP, so they've been in the system for a long time. So our guys that we have, we're very fortunate because we have excellent coaches, but an athlete that's been coming to AP for seven years, he moves well. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't really have that issue. But if we get, you know, an athlete that comes in who has not been in our system, you know, I feel like we do a very good job on the front end Right, you know, and I'll and I'll kind of just tell you a quick story. I had this baseball player. He was an outfielder, professional professional baseball player, and man, his numbers, Robbie, were beautiful. I mean, a, a beautiful, you know, rise in the eccentric utilization ratio. I mean, you know, his actual sprinting. Oh, he looked great. But he's just like, coach, I, I need to get faster. I was like, damn, you know, you're already pretty fast, you know, but okay. So I was kind of looking at all his data. I'm like, okay, how am I going to get this guy better? And he was, I mean, he, he was strong as hell. You know, he had everything going for him. But he sure did have a one on his shoulder mobility on his throwing side. And, you know, it, his was a situation where I had to probably get his kinetic linking a little bit better. Right? I had to kind of, we worked, you know, I would say for two weeks hard. I was like, hey. Are you willing to go see PT? Because if you want to get better, I think, I mean, I, I showed him his numbers. I was like, you have great numbers. I was like, I think this is going to help you the quickest. And, you know, he did it. You know, we got buy-in, and sure enough, you know, he, I mean, he didn't necessarily, oh, you know, become, you know, you know, 10 times faster or anything like that, but he felt better. He felt that actual kinetic linking. So, uh, yeah, that that's kind of. That's one of my favorite stories because I, I was just like, man, I don't know if I can, you know, how strong is too strong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
right? So we yeah. just, in the weight room, we weren't trying to get him stronger, but we're trying to get him to express his strength faster, yeah. right? So it wasn't, you know, a mass component. This was more of a, okay, let's move this mass extremely fast. So, yeah. Just just touch, uh, moving on from that point of, of, of dealing there with, with a Pacific athlete, I think one of your strongest skills as a coach when I worked with you was your actual people skills. Just touch on how important you think people skills is within strength and conditioning. Oh, man. You know, it's to me, Robbie, it's, it's everything. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, and, you know, I'm sure you've heard this example already. You know, if we had 10 identical athletes, 10 identical, you know, um, programs, and we had 10 different coaches with the athletes be the same, and we know the answer is no at this point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think that you're right. It's all about uh, communication. It's all about people skills. Um, I think it's extremely important, you know, for a coach to understand what their coaching philosophy is because this will essentially determine why you coach and why you do what you do. Yeah. You know, I think a coach needs to have the ability to execute. I think, you know, I mean, yeah, being a good motivator, being compassionate, being all this, I mean, those are all very important, but the coach needs to figure out a way to execute, and I, I think that's what I find um, the most here at Athletes Performance, is every coach demands perfection from themselves, from their colleagues, and from their athletes, right, and, yeah. and it just, it just kind of trickles all the way around, so with that perfection comes this execution um, I, I mean, I really think that coaches need to understand that we're teachers. Yeah, yeah. You know, John, John Wooden said it best, Robbie. He says, you know, you have not taught until they have learned. And, and I believe in that 100%. And, and that's essentially what I try to do every single day. If I'm, you know, working with athletes, working with coaches, working with the interns, right, I have not taught until they've learned. So, um, I mean, that's one thing. And then another thing is, a coach needs to learn something new every single day. Yeah, it's and I mean, yeah, that that's really I really feel like we need to just continue to do that. And I know that you do a good job, and you know, I, I see your post and do that, but you just got to learn something new every single day. Yeah, that's it's it's funny because my if any of my friends listen to this, like uh, you know, like I I I've obviously have a group of friends that you know we train with you know a few days a week we lift with each other but I always ask the guys say well what you learn today guys and they're always like oh will you stop asking me that I'm like because you know because I'm like but you should be learning something every day you know uh, you know because <laughs> anything like it could be anything it doesn't even have to be strength and conditioning related it could be just something to do with just life in general but uh, I always ask my mom's wrecking their head saying you know what you learn today but uh, it's, it's funny it's funny you, you mentioned that about the athletes you know you know you could have 10 identical athletes because I heard Dan Faf speak one day and he talked about this coach called Bobby Bowden I've never, I don't know, I've never heard of Bobby Bowden. I just heard Dan Fat mention, but he said that this guy Bobby Bowden basically said that if you, if 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 me, if me and you had a football team, and he says if you give me your ninety and I and you give, or I give you my ninety, you give me your ninety players, I'm still going to beat you because I have a system and I have a, I have people skills and coaching skills. So just kind of what you're mm -hmm. touching on with regards to the ten same athletes, like you know, it's just it's really you know it really does come down to having just a consistent system. Yeah, yeah, and and another thing that you can ask yourself as a coach is, how do you cultivate relationships? Do you cultivate relationships? Do your athletes, you know, send you birthday cards? Do they invite you to their birthday parties? Do they invite you to their homes? That's a big one for me. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, when my baseball players, 
um, you know, invite me to go golfing, and uh, Robbie, I can't golf, but that's just kind of what you do in Arizona. Yeah. Um, but when they invite me to go golfing, you know, at first I didn't know what to say, but you better believe that I've been working on my golf game, Robbie, um, yeah, in this yeah. off season before I see my guys again in December. And because when they ask me, I, I'm going to say yes. So to me, that's a compliment. Yeah. That, that, that means that I'm cultivating relationships and they want to spend 18 holes and then lunch and then drink maybe a few beers doing all that. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Just with regards to your role at AP Nicole, what do you prefer? Do you prefer coaching the athletes or do you prefer traveling around the world coaching the coaches? Oh, man. Uh, great question. I, I think when I'm uh, home for the first, you know, five to six months and I'm coaching, there's nothing like it. And, and that's something that Mike Boyle asked me. He's just like, you know, why, why do you want to stop coaching? He's like, you're, you know, and he complimented me. He's like, you're one of the best coaches that I know. And I'm just like, Mike, I, I understand that. I'm not going to stop coaching because, Robbie, to me, I've always been like this. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to impact as many people as I can. And I feel like if I can help other coaches, you know, develop their system, if I can help other coaches with areas that they're weak in, let's just say, you know, in your example, Robbie, movement skills, if I can do that, you know, and help you, you know, just kind of feel that and understand how to perform, you know, movement skills, I've done my job, and then you can then, you know, kind of pay it forward with your athlete. So I I, I like them both. I, I, I can't <laughs> give you an answer on that. You know, when I'm in Ireland, Robbie, and you're showing me around, um, I'm gonna. You're, you're gonna hear me say, it. "Oh my God, I love my job, and I do love my job." Yeah. Um, so it, it just depends on if I'm, you know, in coaching mode. That I love coaching my athletes. If I'm in the travel mode and and coaching other coaches, I mean, that experience alone, Robbie, is unbelievable. I mean, I've got to work with some of the top football head coaches, head strength and conditioning coaches in the world, and just kind of, you know. You know, seen their system, answered their questions. You know, listened to their answers and just collaborated. And it's it's such a beautiful a beautiful thing. And that's why I love uh, coaching our mentorship groups. And we're we're almost done, Nick. I just have one or two more questions. I know we said forty five minutes, but hopefully, uh, I'll have you gone now in the next five minutes. Um, just I'm gonna have Nick Winkleman on the sh in the show soon, and he's somebody you've obviously gotten very close to. What is it like to work with Nick? Huh. Man, you, you know, I'm not going to lie, you just kind of gave me goosebumps there. Um, you know, Nick Nick is essentially uh, the, the guy that brought me in to be a part of this wonderful um, education department that he has essentially created. Um, it, it's Working with Nick Winkleman, I will say, is going to be probably the best decisions I've ever made in my career. Um, everything from how he developed me because it was through Nick Winkleman that I understood the importance of, you know, coaching. And I was hired, Robbie, because, you know, I, I am an excellent coach. Um, I was hired because I was very strong on the applied side, and, and that's essentially what a lot of the performance mentorship is based on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, but he is, the, I mean, right now Nick's pursuing his, his you know, doctorate degree. And, I mean, he, you know, is an, a, the perfect example of, you know, just kind of working, you know, 100%, 110% capacity all day, every day, and having him as an influence 
um, has been fantastic. And having him as a resource, having his connections has only helped me and allowed me to become stronger. And, you know, I, I know his family, I know his daughter, and, I mean, on that end, he, he's a great man, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I appreciate Nick. So you, you will have a blast talking with Nick Winkleman, and uh, he's, he's, he, he does great things, he is doing great things, and uh, one day he's going to be, you know, a leader in the world. Which he already is. <laughs> yeah, every 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 person I know that knows Nick Winkman, they just always go, "He's the man. He's the man." <laughs> mm. so. Wait till you meet him. Wait till you meet him when you when you head out to Ireland, Robbie. I mean, like I said, you, you're not. I'm not going to run phase two because I'm going to be exploring your beautiful country. Um, but uh, the participants in Ireland are going to have the ability to interact and engage with Nick Winkleman. And, I mean, like I said, you're not going to be disappointed. So now I encourage you to do that, and I encourage the others to do that. And, you know, I encourage anyone to email me with any questions on anything that they have about things like that. So. Right. So these our last, last two questions in Colin and we're done. Just for the young coaches out there, what advice have you got for them? What, what resources would you, would you get them to check out? I would have them check out, I would have them start off with um, understanding emotional intelligence, so primarily primal leadership. You know, I, I think that, I mean, you can get some of these great articles um, online for free um, through the Harvard Business Reviews, but I, I think the young coaches need to understand emotional intelligence. Um, I, I think with that, you know, I think that that's kind of one of the reasons that I've gotten to the places that I've gotten because I I understand uh, athletes and I understand you know my colleagues. So I, I would say that. And then you know, just I would I would say start yeah, things that I didn't do. Um, start reading more research papers yeah. in the beginning. I, I mean, I read a lot of textbooks. I read a lot of articles and blogs and this and that. You know, get, get in, get into the research. Um, you know, during our mentorships or in our mentorships, we kind of give a recommended reading list that that the team has created over the years. And I mean, that has amazing resources. But I would say, have a good. This is my number one message: have a good mix between the applied side and the research side. And I kind of did it vice versa. I had a strong applied side. And then when I came to the research side, I mean, it just clicked. I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. I've been doing this for years kind of thing. But if they can combine the two uh, a little bit quicker for the young coaches, I recommend it. And if they, if they have any questions or any recommendations for research articles, I can't physically give them the research papers, but I can definitely give them titles and abstracts. And I would love to help any young coach um, in that area if they have a particular area of interest. That's brilliant. Uh, I'm just, you know, it's really refreshing that you said emotional intelligence because it's funny when when I talk to young interns and they're always like, you know, what what do you think I should do? I I, I always say to my interns, listen, you know, I always like talking about learning people skills, but I always actually tell my interns now I would really look into a good functional medicine course for the simple reason that like I'm like you're going to deal with a lot of people and you need to know hormones, endocrinology, and all that stuff impacts their their mental and emotional health and like mental and emotional mm -hmm. health is like so important so like it's funny because when you say that to them they're all like you're not read like a training book and i'm like you need to learn how to deal with the people first yeah, so it's, sure. uh, just the final thing is at least reforms are coming to ireland in august so um just tell the listeners a little more about that and then finally tell them where they can find out more about you nicole yeah yeah um so yeah we're heading out to ireland 
Um, I would say, let me just look at the dates really quick. I apologize. That's all right. Uh, Ireland, the dates will be phase one, August 19th to the 22nd, and phase two, um, and I'll be running phase one. Phase two is August 26th to the 29th. Um, We will essentially go over our entire system. Uh, We'll have, obviously, plenty of time. Essentially, it's 50-50 in phase one with applied sessions and then lectures. And then phase two is going to be the art of coaching. So phase one is the what. What what is movement skills? You know, what? How do we start developing strength programs? The what. Phase two is really about the how. And in phase two, we're going to allow for opportunity for you, uh, you as a participant, to coach in front of us and give you uh, hard feedback uh, through our coach collaboration sheet that we have. So. Um, again, you know, this is always a great, great time. I've, uh, we've been there now for a couple years, and I have heard nothing but great things. So I put my name on the list quickly when the schedule came out for Ireland. So we are always excited to be in Ireland. Uh, we, we're very, very fortunate to be there and looking forward to the opportunities. That's great. And, what, and how can people find out more about you, Nicole, or contact you if they want to? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. If anyone wants to ask me any questions, contact me, ask any questions about performance mentorships. Uh, you just hit me directly. Uh, my email is nrodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, at athletesperformance.com. And if you're interested in our performance mentorships, you can just visit um, athletesperformance forward slash education and just look at our courses, our international courses, and you can hit us up then. But if, if anyone has any questions, um, any questions about resources, emotional intelligence, research papers, anything like that, I would love to be a resource and uh, assist any young coaches or any coaches out there well guys there you have it so that's it for this episode on all things strength and wellness I want to thank Nicole again for giving us almost 53 minutes of her time we went uh, 8 minutes over time she was like I only have 45 <laughs> minutes but um, Nicole really really appreciate it just stay on the line after I wrap up the show and I'll say my goodbyes to you but guys for everyone else listening thanks for listening thanks for downloading the podcast take care be well and I'll talk to you all soon 